be in Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Word of God says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit, his fruit, in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. Verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That is so simple and clear, isn't it, right? Sometimes we make things way too complicated, but Psalm 1 basically is like, you've got two choices, right? You can stand in the congregation of the righteous, or you can stand with the ungodly. So we're going to work our way through this passage. It is our choices that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. Anybody else ever get frustrated with your abilities? You guys, I was just trying to, to fix a handle in a toilet. You can ask Wendy about it. And it's working right now, but it should not work in the way I had to do it and all the time I had to spend on it. I have no, I have zero handyman skill. Jeff said he was a handyman for a while. I have nothing, okay? Sometimes I get frustrated with my abilities, right? But I thought this was an interesting quote. Our choices really are what define us way more than our skills and our abilities. What choices are you going to make today? Well, the first thing we're going to start this morning, we're going to look at making the wrong choice in just a minute. We're going to start with making the right choice. Making the right choice. Making one good choice. Verse 1, blessed is the man or the one that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Blessed. Are you blessed this morning? Vicki and Joni are kind of testified to that, right? The Lord is good. <laughs> uh, blessing is not just happy, but it's a recognition, it's a gratitude for the things that God has given. And here is basically the, the plan, the blueprint. The Lord says, do you want to be a blessed person? Then you need to make these choices. Do you ever have anybody in uh, the checkout line say, uh, I'm blessed? It's amazing how that can be such a, a, a witness and a, a, a quick line. Like, how are you doing today? Instead, instead of saying, I'm fine, what do they say? They might say, I'm blessed. And it's like, oh, yes, I am. And today we want to look at just briefly. The psalmist reminder, and now it does begin, I want you to see this, it begins with the negative rather than the positive. If you want to be blessed, here are some patterns to follow after, and then also some to avoid in your life. And I want to be very clear this morning, and you guys know this, know this about me. There's definitely two paths here, right? There's not like everybody who's really close to the throne of Jesus and everybody else who's in heaven. There's a path that leads to life, and there's a path that leads to destruction. And that is not penology. That is the Word of God. The Word of God is true. That is how it is laid out, all right? This is, so I just wanted to start off with that idea to know that everybody doesn't get to be called blessed because not everybody is 
And if you uh, stand in the seat of the scornful, if you, if you stand with the sinners, uh, you, you are not going to get to be called blessed as well. We have some choices to make. So the first choice is the psalmist says, blessed is the one, the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, again, we'll kind of see this as we make our way through, but we start out here just walking. The one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Is there any counsel available to you today? Anybody else just ready to be done with all social media forever? It's insane, isn't it, right? Okay. But there is, there is counsel available through a myriad of platforms and positions and things to us today. Counsel about relationships, counsel about finances, counsel about career paths. But the counsel of the ungodly can usually be spotted because it has self at its heart. A few examples. Cut a corner to make another dollar. Make sure you take care of yourself first. Self-preservation or self-satisfaction reigns supreme. That is often the counsel of the ungodly. The psalmist says, don't walk there. There's just some places that you need to not be walking. Where are you getting your advice at this morning? That's a pretty good question, isn't it, right? Are you getting your advice from the ungodly? The psalmist says, don't walk there. The second thing he says, don't stand in the way or the path of the sinners. The way of the sinners is the path that the sinners choose, and it leads to destruction. After heeding the counsel of the ungodly, bad choices can become a pattern or a path for your way of life. And isn't that how it works, right? You made one bad choice which gave you more options. You're like, oh, and you make another bad choice. And then it just becomes easier and easier to layer bad choices, doesn't it, right? It, it can work in the positive, but here it can work in the negative. So what we have to be careful of is when we, we walk and we make that mistake, and my boys, we had a little confession time in Sunday school this morning. Preacher blew it this week. He made fall on his feet again and say, I messed up, Lord, help me. But that's how we stay out of the way is by repenting and not walking until we get comfortable to where that we're standing in the way of the sinners. One of my uh, people I really like to listen to is a song that he has. It says, sin will grab you quick and corrupt you slow so that you don't know until it's far too late. And that's how it works, isn't it, right? It snatches you quick. And then slowly, not right away a lot of times, slowly corrupts you until it's, it's too bad. Don't get caught standing. Don't get caught standing. If you're walking, return, turn away, repent. Don't stand in the path with sinners. Now, let's just be real clear this morning. We're going to come to this again later, too. Is anybody else here a sinner besides a preacher? So when we define that term, a lot of times we say about sinners, and, and even I think Michael had a post this week about like, at church, sinners should feel welcome at church. And there's a lot of truth in that, right? They should feel loved. They should know that there's hope, but they should also feel a little bit uncomfortable. This sinner especially, right? <laughs> when my sin encounters the word of God, like it did this week, I was so uncomfortable. I didn't like it. And that's the way that it should be, okay? But when we're talking sinners in Psalm 1, what we're talking about is people who have made it their lifestyle to reject the knowledge of God. It's not someone who fell down and repented and is pursuing Christ. This is someone who says, no, 
I'm going to choose me. I'm going to choose me on a consistent basis. Just so you know, we're in the same place there. All right, so you see walking, you see standing, and then what really gets bad is if you end up sitting. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. And this has happened so many times. Eventually, the heart grows cold and hard, and those who scorn at one time were just walking and took a bad choice here or there, but they continue down the wrong path until now they are persuading others of that path. They have made themselves at home in the seat of the scornful. And probably you know someone like that, right? Someone maybe even you know that you thought at one time was really close to the kingdom of God, and then they made a bad choice. Then they made a few more bad choices, and now there's someone who mocks the kingdom of God, and they mock the people of God. Again, you guys, I cannot emphasize this enough. We did this Wednesday night. We talked about John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, right? When you fall down, repent and get back up. Because if you keep going down the path of one bad decision after another, you're going to end up sitting in the seat of the scornful. Uh, one way I worded it for you guys on the slides today is when you trespass, own your sin. What's it mean to own your sin? All right? That means it's always Jacob's fault, right? Or maybe it's always David's fault. Well, for sure, it's always Miss Wendy's fault, isn't it? Right? Anybody else like to do the blame game? At school and technology, it really almost is a game at our school technology, right? If something isn't working, all of a sudden it's like, how quick can I shift this blame from a, of a system that I control? And there's a lady that she does what's called power school. It keeps all of our student records. And I do a thing called Canvas, which is our learning management system. And they talk to each other, but they don't always talk really good. And so if something is not working in power school or Canvas, then Michelle and I always have a battle about whose fault it is. Because <laughs> we like to, to not own the problems. You guys know Michelle, her daughter played for the cello force at one time, right? Okay. Here is the truth. When we sin, we need to own it. I blew it. I messed up. Instead of trying to pass the blame onto someone else. And then, as we sang about this morning, that the Holy Spirit of the Lord, that he would help us make the change that we need to be. All right, let's keep moving, you guys. I'll try to get us going. Verse 2. But, this is the positive, this blessed one, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Again, we're holding still to this idea of being blessed. What does a blessed person delight in? Does that convict anybody? A blessed person delights in the words of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you this. I've been around a few people in my life who delight in the law of God and the word of God. Have you ever been around somebody like that? I mean, it's like their whole eyes light up <laughs> when they find something in the scripture and they share they're just like, oh, isn't this the best thing you've ever seen, right? They delight in God's law, and a person that delights in God's law will be blessed. Again, my question to you this morning, again, real simple, do you delight in the word of God? I want to help you out this morning. If you're finding some barriers in the way of you delighting, talk to your preacher, and let's see if we can help break down some of those barriers. For some people, it's a simple thing as getting a translation of the scripture that's in an English version that's easy to comprehend. But what can we do to delight in the law of God. Well, I thought this was interesting. Wendy and I talked about this on the way down a little bit. 
when did they delight? They meditate on God's word when? Day and night. When do you meditate on God's word? You don't have to answer out loud, but when is that time? Do you have a morning time? Do you have an evening time? Do you have a once a week time? Do you have, unfortunately, just Sunday morning and Wednesday night time? I hope not, right? When do you meditate on the word of God? This is so good from Donald Whitney. He described meditation here like a tea bag. Think about this for a second. Do we have any tea drinkers out there? Maybe not too many of you. In this analogy, your mind is the cup of hot water, and the tea bag represents your intake of the scripture. Hearing God's word is like one dip of the tea bag into the cup. That's what you're doing a lot of us this morning. Oh, I heard it. I dip it in there, right? Okay. Some of the tea's flavor is absorbed by the water, but not as much as would occur with a more thorough soaking of the bag. Reading, studying, and memorizing God's word are like additional plunges of the tea bag into the cup. The more frequently the tea enters the water, the more permeating its effect. Meditation, however, is like immersing the bag completely and letting it steep until all the rich tea flavor has been extracted and the hot water is thoroughly tinctured reddish brown. Meditation on Scripture is letting the Bible brew in the brain. Isn't that good? Letting the Bible brew in the brain. Thus, we might say that as the tea colors the water, meditation likewise colors our thinking. When we meditate on Scripture, it colors our thinking about God, about God's ways and his world, and about ourselves. How are you going to make a good choice if you don't even know what a good choice is? Right? Are you meditating? Or are you just kind of dipping the tea bag in once in a while? That's a good thing to think about, isn't it, right? We'll talk just a little bit in just a second. Um, again, meditating day and night morning and night. To make the best choices, we need to be filled with the heart and the mind of God. And to do that, we need to meditate on God's Word. So here's some really simple things for you to think about for this week. How can you soak on God's Word this week? I've given you a bunch of stuff up there, right? How can you soak on God's Word? Well, first thing, you got to read it. Jeff and I were just talking about study Bibles, and he's got a good study Bible he likes. And if you guys, uh, if you need some recommendations, let us know. We can encourage you in that. But when I was in high school, I got myself an NIV study Bible, a hardback edition, and I wore that thing out until almost until I graduated um, from college. And that study Bible was a real help to me. You've got to open the book and read it, okay? You need to study it. How is studying different than reading? You kind of got to process and chew a little bit, right? What I've been using lately that's been really good for me is Enduring Word. If you guys go to Enduring Word... You can search for any book, any chapter in the Bible, and things are broken down really well. Very plain but simple. Uh, take a little time, especially the things that you're really, the, the Lord is challenging you about. Study it. This is one I'm really bad at, but our kids here are pretty good at, and that is memorizing. When's the last time you memorized some scripture and really put it in your heart? Okay. One reason I kind of like this Psalm 1 in King James, because that's kind of what's stuck in my brain and it helps me to hang on to those verses. Maybe this week you could pick a passage you like and memorize it. The next one is apply it. Do what it says. We had in our lesson this morning, well, you guys, some of you did too, right? You had the Good Samaritan, right? And the lawyer comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to go to heaven. Jesus says, well, what's the scripture say? And what's the lawyer's answer? 
love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Jesus says, you got it. That's the right answer. And then the scripture says, but he wanted to justify himself. Right? I want to hear how good I am. Who is my neighbor, Jesus? Just to clarify. And then we get a great story of the Good Samaritan, and we find out the, the enemy of the, the Jewish enemy ends up actually being the guy that saves the man who was robbed and stripped and left for dead, right? And then at the, at the end, Jesus asks the question, doesn't he, right? He says, well, then who is your neighbor? And then the lawyer says, well, I guess the one who showed mercy was the neighbor. He applied, he lived out what he knew, right? What scripture did you take in today, this week, that the Lord has put in your heart that you need to live out? We saw last week in our class about being pure in heart. David and I were trying to work on that one last week. The next one, you know, is one of your preacher's favorite, right? Meditate on the word of the Lord. What else can you do? You can sing it. You can sing it. It's so cool. There's this uh, a lady at work that I, co-worker, and she has just been on fire growing in the Lord. And I put out on Facebook because I was trying to get some new songs. So she's in, shared like her whole Spotify worship list with me. <laughs> she's like, I just love this stuff, and I want to share it. I thought that was really neat. Put the word of God in your heart through song. And then the last one there is also what helps, and this is what helps your preacher so much, is share it. Share it in a class. Share it in a lesson. Share it on Wednesday night. Share it on Zoom. Share it different ways. Miss, Mrs. Penn has been sharing scripture all over, right, and her social media stuff. But these are the things we need to do to let the word of God brew in our brain to be that tea that just soaks through our life. If we want to make, start making one good choice after the other, we need to meditate on God's word. All right, look in verse 3, and we'll see how the outcome of this is. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his seasons, and his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Look how things start getting really good for the person who stays away from the sin and meditates on the scriptures and delights in the word of God. That's a nice promise right there, isn't it, right? A tree planted by rivers of water. I don't know if you guys can kind of see the picture there as we scroll through a little bit, but that's what those are. They're trees planted by rivers. They're very strong. They're healthy. They're, they're not going to be blown away like the chaff. They deliver fruit in season. And I think this is an important thing. It doesn't mean that they deliver fruit all the time or they always see it, but at the appropriate time, they will bear fruit. And that's the same truth, hopefully, for our church as well. The leaf will not wither. Again, it's not just about the fruit isn't withering, but even the leaf's not withering. The tree has all the strength it needs. And hear me out this morning. When you start making one good choice after another, you will find some abiding strength. One good choice. One good choice. And then finally he says, whatever he does, he shall prosper. And you guys know your preacher, and this is not name it, claim it here, right? But this is the idea that those who are faithful to avoid and to stay away from sin and to delight in the word of the Lord, they will prosper with the Lord's kingdom. The way we say with the Lord's prayer, right? The Lord says, give us, we pray the Lord, give us our daily bread. And what that means is God will give us what we need to do what he wants us to do for his glory. And that's prospering. But it means that we have to soak on that, all right? All right, quickly, let's switch over to making the wrong choice. Verse 4, the ungodly, they are not so, but they are like what? The chaff, which the wind driveth away. Do you guys remember on Wednesday night we were talking about John the Baptist, what he looked like? 
He's a real handsome fellow, right? Three-piece suit, ate the finest steak and baked potato and Caesar salad, right? Guy after my own heart. No, he had camel's hair, a leather belt. He was a real wilderness man. He ate locusts. That's what he had for lunch and honey, right? That was his thing. But we saw at the end when John spoke, what was he speaking about? He said his message was very simple. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he said, the winnowing fork is at hand. We're like, what's a winnowing fork, right? We talked about where he lifted up the chaff and the grain would stay and the chaff would blow away. We have that same picture here in verse four. The ungodly, those who refuse to make godly choices, who decide not to meditate on God's word, they have those who have no delight around God's people. The ungodly, they're not planted trees, but they're chaff driven by the wind. They go wherever the wind takes them. Have you ever had a season where you weren't in God's word, where you weren't around God's people, where you weren't meditating on God's things? It's bad, isn't it, right? You get shifted easy. You don't know what decision to make, and things can really go downhill quickly. And that's the scripture's truth in this passage. If we refuse to plant our feet on the solid rock of Christ, we will be like the chaff. Our life will float away with little purpose or meaning. Again, we have a choice to make. Stand like a strong tree by a river or be blown around like chaff. Look at verse 5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Again, so simple, so clear the psalmist is, right? If you decide that you're going to hang around with all the wrong sorts of people and you're going to enjoy the things that people who don't appreciate the Lord enjoy, and if you decide that you're going to neglect meditating or delighting in God's word, you could very well, you will end up in a place that we're talking about here with the ungodly. And where are the ungodly going to end up at? Well, maybe they just don't get as nice a piece of heaven. Is that what the scripture is intimating here? Right? They will not stand in judgment. When they come under judgment, when they come under God's microscope and he examines their life, the psalmist says they are not going to make it. They're not going to stand under judgment. They're not going to be in the congregation of the righteous, right? Sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Again, Think of that term we're talking about today. When we talk about sinners in Psalm 1, it's not someone who falls down, but it's someone who continually decides to choose himself over God. They're not going to be part of the kingdom. So we have some choices to make. If we want to be found in the glorious city, we need to forsake ourselves, pursue the Lord with all of our heart. Now let's be super clear here this morning. Today, and I know that most of you guys know this, we can be in heaven with Christ. This is the gospel. <laughs> we can have great joy and purpose now on earth and Christ for eternity if we will very simply repent and surrender and pursue the Lord. Well, let's finish up. Verse six. For the Lord knoweth, I love that, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. How many of you like to be known to be honest with you, that's kind of why your preacher likes smaller churches. Because I can call your names. Right? Isn't it cool to be known? Right? If you're out and about and somebody uh, remembers you and they 
call you by your name. And, you might, and maybe it's somebody of influence. You're like, wow, I didn't think they even knew I existed, right? When you're first trying to date someone and they say your name, I didn't think they thought I was alive, right? To be known is a big deal. And here's the point. The Lord knows those. He knows the way of the, of the righteous. He knows them. But the way, the path, the pattern of the ungodly that will perish. And here, you guys, this is the words that always haunt me is from Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus speaks to those people who thought they were righteous. They thought they were good. They thought that they were okay, if you will, in the Lord's book. Jesus says to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. God knows the way of the righteous. Jesus said, I didn't know you. They were even casting out demons in his name. He said, I didn't know you. My guess is, is their heart wasn't humble and they weren't delighting and meditating in the law and the word of the Lord. Today, just a simple reminder that we can be known and we can be called blessed. Let's look at verse one and two again and we'll have an illustration be done this morning. Again, the positive person, blessed Blessed is the one, the man, that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. This is from Randy Alcorn. Have you ever seen a sinkhole? I'm not talking just like a little pothole, but I'm like talking about a sinkhole that cars are enveloping. Have you ever seen a sinkhole? Cars can be parked on a street day after day. Everything appears normal. Then one day the asphalt caves in and cars disappear into a gigantic hole. Everybody says, that hole came out of nowhere. But they're wrong. The hole appears suddenly, but the process that led to it has gone on for many years. The underground erosion was invisible, but it was there all along. Look at this. Sinkholes remind us of two things. (laughs) First, something can look good on the outside when underneath major problems have been going on for years and a disaster is about to happen. Second, our lives are affected by little choices which have cumulative effects that can result in either moral strength or moral disaster. You guys, I'm encouraging you this week, this day, make one good choice and then make the next one. And to make the next one, you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water, and what you do will prosper, okay? Let's stand this morning.